From TriTank Experimental Laboratory, this is the TriTank Podcast, where we talk about all things related to innovation in the church. I'm Father Lorenz Labrija. Thank you for joining us. And welcome to the TriTech Podcast. Father Lorenzo Labrija with you here. And joining me today to talk about Generation Z. Oof, and there's a lot to talk about Generation Z is Antonin Ficatier, Anto, as he is known to everyone. I was going to say to your friends, but I think it's really to everyone. Uh, he has, he's been like all over the place with his career comes in the sense of entrepreneurship, youth culture, and academic work. He co-founded the Chinese Institute, today one of France's leading training centers dedicated to teaching Chinese. Anto went to business school in France, studied economics in China, and completed a master's degree in Christian education at Princeton Seminary. So he's been all over for all the work. He worked for six years with youth and young adults in Hong Kong and England before joining Y-Pulse. Y-Pulse, I can tell you, as we as TriTank, we depend on them because they are the world's best youth intelligence company. The information that we're able to get out from, from that the, our research with them, they're a syndicated research company, is what we use for the Young Adult Ministry Trend Report. And so... Otto is the director for Western Europe, and usually we find him somewhere in Europe when we're talking to him. But I think today he's in London as he joins us. Uh, his hope is to one day finish his PhD. Good luck with that. It's an experimental theology uh, that he started a while back at the University of Birmingham in the UK. Although he is originally from France, Anto lives in South London with his wife, Jess, and their baby, Leo. Anto, welcome to the show. Hey, Lawrence, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be, uh, you know, to have this, this conversation. I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is every time that I see something put out by you all, it's it's just always fascinating nuggets that are there. And you recently joined us for the Understanding Generation Z and Generation Alpha webinar, now available on demand, by the way, people. Um, but here's one of the things I was struck by you you mentioned and you began by talking about this that generation z is one of the most if not the most diverse generation since we've we've started keeping that sort of records yeah and and you right? know that, and that's that is entirely true and what we you know we, we love to use the expression of the diversity tipping point meaning that gen z for the first time in history in north america Gen Z uh, will be is 50-50, 50% people of color, 50% um, white. So what it means is that don't think diversity is just like a, a cute concept to have. It is what young people are experiencing now. Is that, do you, do you think, going to be a major issue for denominations such as like the Episcopal Church, where I belong, Uh the vast majority, right, are white. 90% of our congregations are white. Uh, just our members are 90% white. Our, it, it is uh, reflected at the altar with our clergy also being predominantly by vast numbers white. What does it mean as we're trying to reach a younger generation that is so diverse? And so, so they have grown up with this diversity. And then we're inviting them to basically walk into spaces that are so mono just the way that it is one group it is mostly white is is that a barrier 
Yeah, well, I think it reflects the the age of your organization as well, right? So if you're telling me, you know, we as a denomination are mostly white, I would say it also represents maybe the, uh, I don't know what's the average age of uh, someone in the Episcopalian church, but I'm guessing it's not 15 or, or 17. So it also no. reflects... It's a lot more gray hair than I than we tend right. to admit. A lot so more you know what I mean hair. here? We have two, um, I don't want to say obstacles, but we have two factors to take into account one is obviously racial diversity but the other is age and oh god knows uh, generations have difficulties understanding each other because there are so many differences so and you know diversity is one of them but there are definitely hundreds of topics where there are we are seeing generational divide and we definitely so then we're talking then i was sort of limiting it to just uh racial diversity but if if i mean if we look at the diversity question then we as a church are also sort of not only are we mostly white we're also mostly probably middle class to upper middle class within the episcopal church we tend to skew that way because of where our churches are located and and you're right we we are also so we don't have that diversity of socioeconomic status and we also don't have the diversity you were just talking about of age again do you think this is a, going to be a huge barrier for us to try to reach younger people? Yeah, and I think when young people think about diversity, there's obviously what you mentioned, race, age, but there are also bodies, right? Uh, young people are a lot more likely to want to see different, differently abled bodies is the term that we use nowadays to, uh, to, to, you know, to describe the fact that they want to see people of different body sizes. Um, they also want to see um, people of different genders being represented. Uh, they also want to see people with different sexual orientations. And and also, you know, religion is, is important for young people in the sense of they also want to see um, people of different faith being represented. So, you know, this is also to take into account diversity is a lot more than um, uh, racial or race or socioeconomic. It's, it's kind of the whole spectrum that any organization has to really think about. So then how do we meet them? Because all the things, obviously, certainly the religious diversity within our churches is also not going to be a, a, a thing that's there. How do we meet them where they are? If they're, if if we can identify that our churches are not in any of the standard, any of the sort of uh, frameworks that you just talked about, any of these categories you just mentioned, and none of them are we diverse, right? We're, we're, we're pretty just one way. Mm. How do we then meet them somewhere? How do we meet the young people to say, but we want to be, we want to invite your diversity because this, I believe while we may not have it right now, I do believe the, the Episcopal church is welcoming of all and thus wants to have uh, that diversity represented in the churches. So how do we what? meet them to say, we want to meet you there? I think we should probably start with, you know, you should probably start as a as a denomination with your strength and just say, hey, we have this huge untapped uh, reservoir of old people, right? And this is a type of, you know, age diversity is huge. Um, I don't know if you've heard, there's a whole trend now on TikTok of, of uh, old influencers. So <laughs> people of like 60 and yes. above who are... Uh, <laughs> I've seen know, them. <laughs> yeah. So like it's it's a new trend. And young people, you know, they're, they're not ageist in the sense of like, actually, they welcome age diversity. So if you just say, hey, look, 
we, we can't just all of a sudden have uh, the same diversity that your generation has, which is 50% of, of color. But we do have an incredible diversity when it comes to ages and experiences. And we'd love to celebrate that through, hey, we're going to do um, uh, adopt a grandma uh, program where we <laughs> match a young person with uh, one of our oldest uh, in, 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 in the church, you know, just being creative, starting with what's, uh, what's your situation and what your strengths are to actually reach young people by being creative and thinking of diversity, not just in terms of race, but also in terms of, you know, age, as I, I just mentioned. So that could be kind of a fun experiment to try. Well, you're, and you're talking to the guy that literally does experiments. I, I do like that. <laughs> and, and do you think that, that it makes sense to perhaps sit down with some of these young people and sort of ask them as the way you just sort of presented it, right? Before you got to the, to the creative idea of, of adopt a grandmother, like sitting down with them and saying like, Hey, so. You're absolutely right. We're not as diverse as we'd like to be. We certainly would, or certainly as your generation, but we'd like to be there for you and, and work together. So maybe ask them, like, how could we do that with you? Uh, yeah. Do you and, think and, they would welcome and, that conversation? Yeah. And and also is, you know, we're also talking about the horizontal generation, right? I think that's really important to keep in mind. It's, it's a generation that... Um, doesn't look at your degrees or your your uh, doctor in front of your name, or they're not impressed by the fact that you're the senior pastor of uh, the church, right? They are thinking of in a in a much more horizontal way, which is which is kind of disconcerting for older generations. But at the same time, if we think of it as a strength, you know, they are a lot more likely to be willing to help and to be asked for help than probably previous generations. So, you know, there are the generations who are uh, used to be involved. There are the creator generation as well. They are used to create things constantly on social media. And that is something that is in their in their DNA, really. So involving them is the least we could do, I would say, to engage with young people. And I'm curious, so let, to get as about as practical as one can get here, let's say that i I have a uh, I'm 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 a rector or I'm a member of a small church somewhere in the country and I want to have a conversation with these young people. How would I reach them to want to have that conversation? Would is this something like do I should I get some Instagram ads should I go on uh Facebook? Uh, no, not I, even I can answer uh, that one. I'm not the specialist on <laughs> generation Z, but I wouldn't go on Facebook to try to find them. But is, do I need to start doing TikTok sort of ads to say we'd like to have this conversation? Do I just show up uh, how would you do it? How would you recommend? I know, I mean, and I ask you this not so much as the Western, the the director of Western Europe for Wipols, but as someone who has studied uh, youth ministry and who has who's interested in this as a person of faith as well. Yeah, listen, I, I think we should um, we should use social media as a way to present a great offering that we have in the in the physical world. And what I mean by the physical world is that because. Again, here you have to think that the youngest generation, Gen Alpha, so the younger siblings of Gen Z, they are growing up, um, we call them the virtual natives, which is like next level, if you will. If Gen Z was the digital natives, Gen Alpha is the virtual world native. So for them, hanging out in virtual spaces is increasingly the norm. And 
I see that as a strength for the church, which has for almost all its time being being a physical uh, type of um, organization. Come to our space, come to our building. Um, you know, it's we have a whole tradition of uh, taking the physical space seriously. And so I don't think we should reinvent the wheel or try to be something we're not. We should, again, start with our strength, saying, hey, how can we use our our building, our physical space to welcome young people? And then, obviously, using social media as a way to advertise or to promote what's going on in the physical space. But I think, and that's my personal opinion, Lorenzo, that young people are craving for opportunities to meet in the physical world. That's that's really my also, my personal experience being a youth minister as well, is that I think because they have less and less of opportunities to meet with their friends in the physical world, they are craving even more spaces where they can meet, where they can hang out physically. Do, do, do you know what I'm getting here, right, Lorenzo? Yep. When you and yeah, I yeah, grew yeah, up, yeah. We, we, went, we went to parties. Well, what we have uh, in terms of data is that young people have a lot less opportunities to meet with their friends in person. They have a lot less parties. They drink less with their friends. They don't have sex the way young, older generations had at their, at their age. So, you know, having recreating opportunities for them to meet in the physical world for me would be kind of a fun and interesting starting point. I read in a book uh, called Fight, uh, I forgot the, the rest of the, the the whole name of the book, I'll put it in the show notes, but one of the quotes that sticks with me from that book was that Generation Z will change America more than having been born in America will have changed Generation Z. So unlike, say, my generation or the ones before who were just – we would receive something, right? This is a, a sort of social norm. I've seen it. I was reading an article that I posted on social media about how the some managers think that they're really hard to work with, that, that they, yeah. don't, they don't want to follow the rules as much. And I think what we're seeing there is that they, they just – they're unwilling to just accept something because – that's just the way it is, right? So the I, in this article, it was talking about they don't want to give two-week notices anymore. They're like, if you were going to fire me, you'd fire me on the spot. So why do I owe you that courtesy that you wouldn't give to me if you were firing me? And so that's what we're seeing. And so as we, as we get this generation, <laughs> the church, as you'll recall, is not necessarily known for being quick to adapt and changes and, and mm-hmm. making that happen. But I do believe... You know, I, when I listened to you in the in the webinar when we did the master class, you talked. Uh, one of the, the the points that you made was about causes, and mm. as we think about causes, that is very theological, right? This is where the prophets have been talking about when it is about mm-hmm. creation care or income inequality or Black Lives Matter. These things, and we have a tendency, perhaps in our in our church, to say those are those can be political, so we're not going to talk about them as much. But we know that young people don't see that as a social norm. They're like, we expect you. If, if this is what your prophets are saying, we expect you to talk about these issues because they matter. So all that to say, probably causes is another way that we could reach the, the, the generation, right? Oh, that is, that is 200%, Lorenzo. And I think in, in many ways, because for young people, if you're not socially active, as if you're not activated uh, it means you're, you're complacent. Uh, so, you know, for them, it's, it's really the idea that you have to have 
you have to fight in any social cause because it shows who you are and it shows that you care for the world. It's also, you know, what we're seeing is it's it's a it's a it's the the most eco-anxious generation, um, Gen Z. They are growing up in an environment where they are seeing from a very young age around them environments about climate change and about uh, floodings, and and they are seeing the almost the signs of the time which you know we created the older generation. So. When you're eco-anxious, you don't understand why, as a church, you would sit in this, you know, 200 million endowment for the future. You just don't understand. You're like, well, why are you not using it now for the good of the planet, of the people, you know? So I think there's a real disconnect. Um, and, 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 and churches, you know, run by older generations who have been raised with the idea of saving for the future and making sure we have a good cushion um, and mattress of uh, safety, you know, the young, young people don't understand that. They, they, they don't understand why would you have to wait to spend the money in charitable causes. Look at the example. The best example is Patagonia. I don't know if you saw a few months ago, but the founder basically sold the whole business um, and, 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 and spend the money to, to save the planet. Um, yeah, and, that was, you know, that was, and, and, and that's, that's what a Gen Z would do, you know, 100%. And so I wonder also if we're thinking then maybe perhaps to if we were going to start, let's say we wanted to start a a, a congregation or a, I'm, I'm not even, let me not call it a service because they may not necessarily be, we always are so quick to, if we want to reach someone new, let's do a new service for them or let's do <laughs> something else. It's like, uh, let's begin the relationship first with them. But I could see that if we wanted to to perhaps well, make ourselves more open to the idea just from the conversation you and I are having here today. So one of the things, for example, would be that they would probably see it better if we didn't own a building, right? If if we <laughs> if we weren't yeah. using our resources for that, but rather, you know, they would probably see it as a point of pride that like 50% of the money that we raise from this church goes directly back into the ministries that are helping, right? These causes. Yeah. The second yeah. thing where you're talking about space and perhaps, so maybe because one of the other things you mentioned uh, in the masterclass was that music was very important to them. So what if we created a space that was just a rental space for the evening or something, but that created a nice musical space that, and then add in there the the age diversity where people could come in and have conversations for the adopted grandmother or something. It's, it, I think it's, it's, it is a call to be creative, but with the things that matter to them, not necessarily us saying, here's what matters to us and you have to follow us. Mm, that's, that's hundred percent. Um, I think, you know, they would only accept you as a church having your own building if they can see that during the week it's being used for, you know, homeless people, refugees, uh, people with needs, marginalized communities. They have a real heart and passion for marginalized communities. So unless it's been, if it's just like sitting and not being used, uh, really it's of no interest for young people. And there would be, I, in my personal opinion, I don't have the data on that, right? But I think they are a lot more likely to, to look for a church that rents um, its own building because it's showing that we are responsible with just using the space whenever we're meeting. But other than that, we don't, you know, own property, um, which again goes back to an element of, of wealth and, and privilege. And, you know, it's funny when you talk about that they are really 
they have a keen interest in an in interest. One would even call it a uh, preferred option for the marginalized communities, which is leading us right back to like liberation theology, leading us right back to this is if one could just based on the it's, it's interesting, you do all this research for these companies. And yet <laughs> here we are, we're, we're using that sort of same research to say, we can actually tell you that what they're looking for isn't so much the the big building or this what they're actually looking for are more of the biblical mandates from mm-hmm. from the bible like care for the poor and the orphan and the widowed and uh you know don't carry anything with you don't worry about tomorrow let tomorrow take care of itself today has enough problems these are all right you know straight from scripture so one i think yeah. could make a case that they may not know it but they're actually significantly following in the footsteps of christ uh in their beliefs and their values Oh yeah, hundred percent. And as soon as they hear about the life and story of, of Jesus, I think they they are touched because because it's genuine, right? Jesus was not the guy who who left the planet with a, a massive company for generational wealth or whatsoever. You know, just I'd just live the life as a pilgrim and and do social good, um, and and get people to to know the love of God. At the end of the day, that seems pretty simple to me. But maybe we overcomplicated things, you know. Oh, uh, that's not a maybe. That's a for <laughs> sure we overcomplicate things. <laughs> if there's a way that we can make it more difficult, we'll take it back to the drawing board and do exactly that. I also like that in the process that you've been describing that this is strengths-based, which reminds me a lot of appreciative inquiry and how to how to bring about change in a place where you focus or even uh, – community-based, asset-based community development, which is let's focus on the things that are right and build on those. So rather than Mm. lamenting, right, that the church is missing this and the other and the other, it's like, what are the strengths that we have and how do we build upon those or to show those to these next generations? And then it's just a matter of being creative about how we do that, like when when you came up with the Adopt-A-Grandma. I think it's about uh, making sure we are doing things uh, well as well. And listen, we, the church, are not going to be the next big actor in the metaverse, right? I mean, uh, unless (laughs) unless something changes, but I think it's not going to happen. So instead of trying to, hey, let's run after the trend, let's look at, okay, what are the practices that the church um, is already doing? And, you know, we just have a, a wealth of, practices that engage uh, young people spiritually i'm thinking uh, you know uh pilgrimages right why not taking people on the road for a 30 kilometers or miles whatever it is uh, you know down let, let's hit the road with young people and let's do a pilgrimage right so we have this wealth of uh, spiritual formative practices that are genuine that have been tested by thousands of years and that we know are helping everyone to connect with God. So why are we not tapping into these instead of, you know, trying to chase the next trend? That that makes perfect sense. And I think also it, it, 
could lead one to to say, let us not focus on just getting them in to sit in the church, right? This isn't about that. This is about reaching them because I also think that they want to be, they want to go deeper is my sense. Mm. They seem to really want to go deeper with their faith rather than, so they're not looking for a social club to go on Sunday mornings that happens to have a little bit of teaching about this guy named Jesus. They're looking like, can I go deeper in my faith? And my guess is that it wouldn't be on Sunday mornings anyways, but can I go deeper in my faith in some, uh, some authentic way? Mm. Um, is that what you sort of understand them to be? That's that's exactly right, and I think we have. But that's more uh, almost a f- you know phenomenological question that we need to ask: is is the the way young people relate to it uh, attention? And I do think that we've been raised thinking, okay, you're going to sit down and listen for thirty minutes to a lovely sermon. But guess what? That is something that uh, for young people is uh, it just doesn't work, right? It's if that is your religion, then I'm I'm better off watching YouTube videos, right? So why would I sit and listen <laughs> to uh, a sermon? So I think it's it's kind of being creative and 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 going back to more practical uh, activities that involve young people in the physical world. And yeah, come and we're gonna we're gonna give food to the poor, or we're gonna go and walk uh, 30k and and talk about our faith. Are we going to go through a spiritual maze um, and and explore all of that? I mean, the the list is is super long, and we have so many of that. So it's inviting them to experience something that uh, they will probably never experience anywhere else. It's a, a physical, spiritual experience. Is my you know would be my if I had to bet on the next big thing in the church, that would be that. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're sort of already doing, but just doing it more with them in mind and and being authentic to the call of, of Jesus. I, I would love this, by the way. I would love this to be that the clearing call of Generation Z to the church is to go back to its roots in being about helping the poor and causes and being more about growing as disciples rather than – I would love it to be that, that that it is Generation Z that brings us back to who we are meant to be as a church, right? The ones who are growing in faith, living with each other in community, because these are all the things. And we're coming to the end of our time here, but I just want to ask you one final question. And, yeah. and this is a professional question in the sense, in all the research that you all have done, because this is something that I hear out there, are, is Generation Z open to exploring faith with us or not? Huh. Um, it's a hot topic because I'm sure you've seen there are so many articles right now talking about, oh, religion is not dead. And, oh, um, you know, young people still have faith. And... You know, what we're saying in our data is that young people are hugely spiritual. Um, they are not against believing in spiritual uh, world. But because they didn't have much offering from the church, they just went elsewhere. And as you know, there are many offerings outside from very different, uh, uh, from different movements. Um, and I think for too long, the church yeah. has been also a bit shy at presenting what it means to have uh, spiritual practices, you know, and I think we've we've contented ourselves with just being a, a, a good churchgoer, but we never really ask people actually what it means to put in practice your faith. 
And what is the spiritual world? Um, I think that is a fascinating question. But for the church, the church is going to have to offer something. Otherwise, young people are just, you know, going to go somewhere else. That's that's the bottom line. It's nature. <laughs> there you go. No, but uh, but it is it is our opportunity to come back to our roots, to come back to being deep, to come back to being mystical, to embrace those things. They're not telling us that they want only a praise band. They they're telling us that they want to feel the the their faith and to grow in it. So. I think it's it's an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity, but then again, I'm a very optimistic person. Overall. Yeah, I'm I'm also optimistic, Lorenzo. <laughs> I think you you know we we have a wonderful opportunity. We as you know Christians to um, it's also our duty, right, to go back to our principles and our roots, and to look maybe at our a bit more critically at our churches and be like, okay, maybe Gen Z is helping us to look at the at the mirror and to to look at the the things we do well, but also the, the things where we where we suck. <laughs> you know what's interesting as I think about it here, it, it it would a would a Gen Z person be more I'm guessing, and I but I have no no proof of this, so I'm just gonna ask it as a question. And then once you say it, it'll become fact. No, but I, I'm guessing that a Gen Z person would be much more likely much less likely to walk into a place called St. Paul's Episcopal Church than they would to something called the Episcopal, Episcopal Mystical Center, right? The second one, the Mystical Center, would be more towards their, like, oh, this is interesting, this is something different, a little bit more about spirituality. Am I right or yeah. wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're 100% right, and I think they would be even more likely to join your Episcopal walk uh, through town to protest against inequalities. You know what I mean? Uh, something that is yeah. geared towards action and a tangible thing that uh, you can do to um, to show your support to social causes, really. Yeah. But again, that, that, that requires us looking at what church is differently than before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we could talk about this for, for hours, mainly because it's just so much fun and, and it's so optimistic, but... Anto, thank you very much for being with us today. I, I really, I'm, I'm always, I always feel, even though I'm already optimistic, I feel more optimistic when I'm done talking with you because uh, <laughs> it gives me hope. So, well, that's wonderful. So, so Lawrence, thanks for being with us. Thank you for, for having me as your guest. It was a pleasure and um, anytime. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. To learn more about TriTank, visit tritank.org. Be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter where you can keep up with all of our experiments. The TriTank podcast is a production of TriTank in association with Resonate Media. TriTank is a joint venture between Virginia Theological Seminary and General Theological Seminary. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm Father Lorenzo Labrija. Until next time, may God bless you. Do you have something to say? Are there people who want or need to hear from you? Have you always wanted to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Welcome to Resonate Media, where our mission is to amplify you. At Resonate Media, we focus on helping underrepresented voices and aspiring podcasters get started by providing equipment, expertise, and experience to help you launch a podcast. To get started, visit ResonateMediaPro.com. 
Don't let the confusion, complications, and costs of hosting, recording, editing, and distribution hold you back. The world needs to hear what you have to say. Resonate Media can help your voice be heard.